Amen. Well, good morning, City Light. Yes, Paul's here. That's right. Well, there's a lot of reason to praise hallelujah today. Um, We've said many times that our mission here is to multiply, do you remember, disciples and churches. And today we get to celebrate that God is doing both. Right, we, we just had a baptism done here, and that's a, just a step of obedience after Jesus changed the life. He's making disciples. He's calling people to himself. God is doing what he said he would do, and so we get to celebrate that. And then uh, God is also multiplying churches, and this very day, this very morning, a new local congregation was birthed in West Omaha, City Light West, and I'll tell you, um, they weren't sure uh, how many people were going to show up this morning. They got a 9 o'clock service, an 11 o'clock service, um, and so I just asked, how the 9 go? They said there were 952 people at the very first service ever. Yeah, and then they said, that was just the 9, the 11 is packed, and they hadn't even counted yet, and they didn't even know. There were probably close to 2,000 people. They're going to worship Jesus in this brand new congregation. Now listen. For, just for fear, somebody might think that we're all about megachurch stuff. I want to say, that, that's not it. What we're about is seeing lives changed, about seeing souls impacted by hearing the good news of the gospel and responding in faith and worship. And so just like Sean was one life here this morning, got baptized, those 952 people are real souls who got to hear the gospel preached and proclaimed this morning. And so we're going to praise for that, and we're going to pray. God, you keep taking ground in our city, in our metro, in this world for your glory and our good. All right. I'm excited. I'm ready to dive in. Are you guys ready? We're going to be in John chapter 14. We're continuing to walk through the book of John together. And as we get started this morning, I wanted to ask you a question. Um, Have you ever asked a question that you should have already known the answer to? You ever done this? Like, it's all laid out, things are clear, you haven't followed, and so you ask a a question that you should know the answer to. This happens to me more than it should, Um, and so I'll just tell you about one time. Uh, A couple years ago, I was at a conference um, for uh, startups, innovators, dreamers, um, for founders of new companies. And it's called Big Omaha. And what they do is they bring in people who have successfully started new companies to encourage and inspire people who are trying to do that on their own. And so I'm listening to one of these speakers, and she's talking about um, this app that she and her team had developed for people in uh, developing countries. Uh, It takes information from the user's phone and and uh, generates a credit score for them so that they can get capital to build their own businesses and startups um, in a place where most of them don't have a recorded payment history like we do. They can't get credit any other way. And so I'm thinking, man, this is innovative, kind of awesome stuff. And it got me thinking, whoa, we've got um, a lot of orphans in Rwanda. We partner with this organization, Imana Kids, and many of them are now getting ready to graduate, and they want to start their own companies. This could be a game changer for them. Um, and so I think, I got a question. I'm going to walk down during Q&A time, and I thought, she's going to be glad I asked this question, and so I kind of strutted down there, you know, and uh, I wait in line at the microphone. My turn comes up, and I said... Hey, I work with some orphans in Rwanda. Uh, Many of them want to start their own businesses someday. How could they get connected to you and your team? And uh, 
she takes a moment, and I think she was trying to muster as much kindness as she could, and she said, well, sir, it's an app. They just download it. Now, there were, five, there were 600 people in that room. I bet 599 of them could have answered that question. She'd spent an hour saying we developed it for a phone so that's easily accessible. We had to put it as an app on a phone because people in the developing world don't have access to computers like they do phones over and over and over again. I know they say there's no such thing as a dumb question, but I felt really dumb right there, right? Everybody knew it. It was laid out clearly, and I just didn't see it. Have you ever been there? I think today we're going to see that maybe the disciples were in that sort of a situation, all right? Jesus knows that as this text is happening, he's just a few short hours from going to the cross. And so he's spending his remaining time with his friends, telling them what's about to happen, telling them that Judas is going to betray him, Peter is going to deny him, and he's going to leave, and where he's going, no one can follow. He, he actually says, where I am going, you cannot come. And so Jesus is laying all of this out, and it's heavy news. This is hard to take in. This king, Jesus, who is supposed to take the throne and rule from it forever, is going away. This savior, Jesus, was supposed to come and make all things right. But now he's leaving when things are still messed up. This Jesus was supposed to be Emmanuel, God with us, is heavy. He's saying, I'm not going to be with you much longer. I'm going away. This is heavy news. This is hard to understand and hard to take in and hard to comprehend. It was troubling. And in these moments, my heart really connects to Jesus. Because he just laid this out. And he said himself that his own heart was troubled by all of this. And then he looks out at his disciples, his friends who remain with him at the dinner, and he sees they're just not getting it all. They're not quite following or understanding. And he can tell that their hearts are troubled. And in that moment, he doesn't demand that they support him in his circumstances. In that moment, he doesn't leave them behind thinking, if they haven't got it by now, they never will. He doesn't look at them and blame or condemn or curse. Jesus looks out at his friends whose hearts are troubled, and he encourages them. He rallies them. He he literally starts out, let not your hearts be troubled. He wants to put him at ease. He wants to clarify what he's saying. He's going to keep pressing in. He says, guys, look, I know this stuff is messing with your hearts. I'm leaving, but I'll tell you where I'm going. I'm going to my father's house. That's heaven. That's where you want to end up. And I know you can't follow me there yet, but you can't follow because there's lots of room and I got to prepare a place for you there. And so I'm going to go prepare a place for you there. And then I'm going to come back. And when I come back, I'll get you and I'll take you with me so we can go together. I'm leaving, but I'm not leaving forever. You know the way, right? He's he's encouraging them. I'll be back. You know. And this is where Thomas jumps in, one of the guys at the table. And Thomas asks asks a perfectly Eric kind of question, one he maybe should have known the answer to already, right? He jumps in and he says, Jesus, uh, uh, Lord, we do not know where you are going 
how can we know the way? You can hear what he's thinking. And Jesus, I'm, I'm still not following. Um, I don't really know where you're going. I don't know the destination. So how could I know the directions? You say I know the way. I don't feel like I know the way. What is the way, right? This is what he's getting at. And Jesus, just like the speaker at Big Omaha did for me, he musters up as much kindness as he can get, and he just restates what he's been saying all along. Thomas, I am the way and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I want to spend the rest of our morning this morning on that statement. Because I think in these two short sentences, Jesus is telling his friends who he is and what he does. He says, I am the way to the Father. I am the truth from the Father. I am the life in the Father. I take people to the Father and nobody gets to him except through me. It's who I am. It's what I do. He encourages them. And so I want you, I want me to get the same encouragement from Jesus that they got. All right, so here's my, um, here's my outline for us this morning. Jesus said, I am the way, so we keep following, right? He said, I am the truth, so we keep believing. And he said, I am the life, so we keep living, all right? Um, Jesus starts with, I am the way, so I think that's a good place for us to start too. Uh, Jesus had told his disciples, where I am going, you cannot come. He said, where I am going, you cannot follow. Right? These are statements that he's making clear he is going somewhere without them. And he says to them that that's his father's house. Um, it'd be hard to blame Thomas at this point for not fully understanding how he could know the way to where Jesus was going. Track with me. He can't go where Jesus is going he can't follow Jesus as he goes there. And Jesus is going to his father's house, a place Thomas had never been. And so if you can't go there, you can't follow anybody there, you have never been there yourself, how do you know the way? There was no GPS in those days. To go somewhere, you have to have walked that path before or follow somebody there or you just don't know the way. That's just the way it is. And so it's hard to blame Thomas for wondering, how do I know the way? I can't follow. I haven't been there. Uh, yet Jesus says, and you know the way to where I am going. How do we make sense of this? Well, I think first we have to know the destination. We have to know where Jesus is actually going. He says he's going to his father's house. That's literally the palace, the courts, the dwelling place of God the Father Almighty. If you don't know what that place is like, um, the book of Psalms gives a fantastic definition of what it's like there. So let me read to you from Psalm chapter 84. It says, For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Jesus' destination is the Father 
who gives light and warmth and life like the sun. It's the Father who gives strength and protection like a shield. His destination is the Father who bestows favor and honor on all his guests. Look, if you end up at the Father's house, you're not treated like some distant relative trying to bum a meal in a room on your way through. He gives you favor and honor. He says, listen, if you're hungry, eat. You're thirsty, drink. You're tired, rest. You're fearful, find protection. You're hurting, find healing. You're sad, find comfort. You're short. Sit in one of those nice, old-fashioned recliners where your feet can touch the ground instead of one of those new, big ones where you sit on your feet can't touch the ground. It's uncomfortable and embarrassing. I don't know if this is just my problem, but I think in the Father's house, there's going to be right-sized furniture for everybody, okay? The Father's house is an amazing place, and Jesus is going there. There's lavish generosity for all. His destination is the Father's house. And he says to the disciples, you know the way to where I am going. You already know it. Now, they know something about heaven. They know something about the Father's house. The disciples know there is no path you can walk to get there. There is no map that will tell you the way to get there on your own. You just can't do it. We don't have the ability. And so if there is no path and there is no map, how do they know how to get to the Father's house? How could they possibly know the way? What's Jesus saying? I think Jesus' words only make sense. When we see that the way is not a path, it's a person. The way is not a map, it's a man. The God-man, Jesus Christ himself. That's what Jesus was saying when he said, I am the way. He's saying, you know the way to the Father's house because you know me. And I am the way. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, He is the way. And no man gets to the Father except through Him. That's what Jesus is telling them. And so I might state it this way. Jesus says He was going where His disciples couldn't follow. But that didn't mean the disciples had to stop following Okay, you tracking with me? Jesus said he was going where his disciples couldn't follow, but that didn't mean his disciples had to stop following him. What I'm saying is, even though the disciples could no longer follow his feet, they could still follow his lead. Jesus said, I am the way to the Father, and they could keep following him even though he was no longer there. How? How were they to do that? How are we to do that? I want to try to get real practical today. Um, And so how are we to do that? I think one of the best ways to keep following Jesus is to do what he said to do, right? Just follow him. And uh, just before he said, I am the way, Jesus said to his disciples things like, wash one another's feet and love one another, Now, biblical scholars, I did a lot of commentary work. Let me let you in on a secret about these one another statements. It takes another person to make them happen, okay? I know it sounds like rocket science. You can't one another without another, right? And so we follow Jesus by doing what he said, and he said, uh, love one another, wash one another's feet. Can I offer you one real practical way to keep following Jesus? 
Spend time with other people who are following Jesus. Okay, let me tell you what this might look like. Um, I've got a friend. We had breakfast a couple weeks ago, and he was going through just a rough season. Life was putting him through the ringer to use the language of John 14. Uh, you might say his heart was troubled by all the trials that life was throwing at him. And so we're talking. He's sharing with me about it. And at one point, he looks at me and he says, Eric, it feels like I look up uh, to the sky and God pulls apart the clouds to look down at me and say, I hate you. That's, that's heavy. That's the trials of life. His heart is troubled in that moment, and it broke my heart. He looked up to the Father. Uh, he looked up to the sky, and I think part of his heart is just longing to see the Father, to see the way, to get all of those things that the psalm said wait for him there, rest and comfort and healing and peace and the whole lot. And he looks up, and instead he said it feels like God peers out, and he must hate me to leave me in all of this brokenness and pain and trouble. He, he needed some one anothering there, right? He couldn't see it on his own, and so he was sharing with me, and I got to jump in and encourage him. I got to say, hey, man, when, when God pulls apart the heavens, he doesn't look down and say, I hate you and leave you alone. He pulled apart the heavens so that he could come down to be with you, to say, I love you. He sent Jesus to be your savior from all the troubles, from all the pain. And so when we look up to the sky longing for a way to the father, we should see Jesus saying, look at me. I am the way. I'm the one that gets you there. Nobody gets here without me. I want you to see me. I got to encourage him. Those moments when uh, troubled hearts get encouraged, those moments when we share the load that this life puts on us, they happen when we walk with one another. They happen in community. And so can I encourage you this morning, would you not try to do life on your own? Would you do life with one another? I don't know what it will look like exactly. Maybe it's getting coffee sometime this week with a good friend to encourage them, be encouraged by them. Maybe it's jumping in a city group for the first time and finding a family to eat with and share with and laugh with and, and do life with. Maybe it's shaking hands with somebody you didn't know when you walked into this room that you can say, oh, I know them when you walk out of this room. If all that seems too intimidating, maybe it's just grabbing a connection card from a chair around you and writing your name on it and saying, uh, I need somebody to one another with. I don't know what it looks like for you, but oh, City Light, Jesus is the way to the Father. And I think we can follow him. We can keep following him by doing what he told us to do, to wash one another's feet, to love one another, to do this thing together, to encourage each other on the path. See, like Jesus is the way. So let's keep following him together. Amen? All right. Um, Jesus starts with, I am the way. Uh, and then he goes on to say, I am the truth. Uh, so Jesus, when he says, I'm leaving, when he tells his disciples what is going to happen, you can imagine all of the uncertainty, all of the confusion that would have landed on them. Um, he, Jesus in himself said it pretty plainly, 
what I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward, you will understand. Right? This sounds a lot like what happens when I take some of my kids' Christmas money and put it in their college savings account. Dad, what are you doing? I'm confused. I don't understand this. And I say, well, you don't see the cost of tuition and room and board and books and student loans in your future. You just see Legos on the shelf at Walmart. So you can't see the whole picture. Um, I know you're confused, but you got to trust me on this one. Because I'm their dad, they take my word for it. They trust that what I'm doing uh, will make sense one day. And I think Jesus uh, and his disciples are in that sort of a situation. He's telling them, not just I tell you the truth, but I am the truth. And for the skeptics out there, um, I don't think Jesus simply expected them to take his word for it either. Later on, uh, a couple verses down, Jesus said, believe me, that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on the account of the works themselves. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, if you want to see the Father, look at me. Believe in me. And you can believe me because of what I say or because of what I do. Jesus was um, uh, one who talked the talk and walked the walk. And we can see it. He said, I am the bread of life, and he fed 5,000 people with bread meant for one, right? He said it, and he did it. He said, I, I think in that case he did it, and then he said it, to be fair and accurate to the text. Then he said, I am the resurrection and the life, and he, uh, at the sound of his call, a dead man stood up, resurrected to life, and walked out of the grave. He said it, and he did it. He's saying, you can believe me because I tell you the truth, or you can believe me because I work the truth. Either way, know that I am the truth. I am the truth. Um, see, like Jesus is the truth, so let's keep believing. I think maybe the best way to keep believing in Jesus the truth, to get practical again, is to read his word. To know him by how he has revealed himself through his word, the Bible. Okay, I'll give you another story. Um, A while back, I got to start reading the Bible with a new Christian. And uh, it was awesome. We became really good friends. He told people all the time that if you could name something addictive, he had likely been addicted to it. And uh, that lifestyle in his past had left him with some really strong anger issues. So he was dealing with a lot. And we just started reading the Bible together. And he downloaded an app that uh, pops up a verse of the day for him every day. And one day, Philippians uh, 4.13 came up. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So my friend asked me, Eric, what does that mean? And I said, well, let's read it. And it turns out the author, Paul, was saying, you know what? I've known plenty and I've known want. I've had everything I need and I've had nothing that I need. But what I know is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can endure all of that. I can get through it. I can trust God no matter what because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And this guy says, really? That's what the Bible says? If that's what it says, then I want Christ. I want his strength. And so he uh, bought a a bracelet that had that verse on it. And he printed off business cards and handed them out and kept one in his pocket every day uh, with that verse on it. And he downloaded screensavers with that verse on it. And he hung it up on his mirror in the bathroom. And he was trying to saturate his life with that verse so that it was cemented in his mind so that he knew what God said. And then he started trusting God to do it. And you know what happened? 
as temptations started entering his mind, so did that verse. And he started praying things like, Jesus, you're stronger than these temptations and addictions. Give me your strength. Strengthen me for the day. When anger started welling up in his heart, you know what happened? That verse started echoing in his heart before he lost control of his anger. And he would say, Jesus, give me strength so that I don't blow up and break something right now. Right? He's just praying that verse because he knew what God said and now he's trusting God to do that. And as he did that, I'm, I'm just going to confess, it was not a road without some setbacks, okay? But right now, today, he's over three years sober, and he's going on two years without punching a hole in the wall, right? That's a win! We celebrate that! God said he would strengthen him, and he did! He saw the truth of Jesus in his written word, he followed that and he experienced that God says what he does. He knew Jesus, he knows Jesus as the truth because he knows Jesus from his word. So City Light, can I encourage you, get to know Jesus through his word. Would you read the words that he spoke and see the way that he lived? Would you soak in the promises that he made? Would you get challenged by the way that he called out religious people? And would you get inspired and encouraged by the way he forgave even the worst of sinners? It's all right there in the book. So, Jesus, uh, so City Light, Jesus is the truth. Let's keep believing. Amen? Um, so Jesus said, I am the way, and we keep following. Jesus said, I am the truth, we keep believing, and Jesus ended with, I am the life. Uh, so I would say Jesus doesn't relate to life in the same way that you and I do. We did nothing of our own um, accord to get life for ourselves. And if we were to lose this life that we now have, but that's not, do nothing of our own accord to get it back. We just don't have that ability. But that's not Jesus. The Bible says Jesus has the authority to lay down his life and to take it back up again. Jesus doesn't just have life. He is the life. Uh, he can resurrect and he can restore life. And so we see this in God's word. In John chapter 4, we see an official come to Jesus and tell him, my son is sick. He's dying. Life is slipping out of him. Jesus said very simply, go, your son shall live. I think, go, your son will live. And that very hour, the official son started recovering. This young boy had a physical sickness in his body that ought to have led to death. And yet Jesus enters in and life is restored and renewed. Jesus is the life. Now later on, Jesus finds himself at the temple and there's a woman on trial for adultery. And the religious leaders have picked up stones ready to throw them at her, executing judgment. But before they do, they turn to Jesus and say, what do you think? And so Jesus, in a stunning turning of the tables, he says, let him who is without sin, let him who has no sin, throw the first one. And one by one, those religious leaders drop their rocks and leave. Now that woman had sin sickness in her heart that should have led to death. But Jesus stepped in and her life was restored. It was renewed. It was granted again. She had new life because Jesus showed up. 
Now, all of this entering in, all of this healing of body and soul, all of this new life, it points us to, it's like a down payment on the eternal life that we're promised in Jesus. This is what he says. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So when Jesus says, I am the life, he means I am the life now and forever. He doesn't say, hey, um, I'm going to leave for a while, and when I get back, then I will be the life. As though he's only giving us life in some future eternity and not today. He says, I am the life. I am the life now, and you get eternal life in me. It's a present and a future reality. And so if your heart is troubled today by uh, sickness in your body, in your flesh, if your heart is troubled today by sin sickness in your soul, and those things make it feel like life is leaking out of you, it's slipping away. If you're uh, troubled because it feels like you're hitting empty, you're exhausted, worn out, burnt out, lifeless, the remedy is not give up. Because there's no hope now or any other day. If your heart is troubled because life is slipping out, the remedy is not try harder, do better, be more. Maybe then you can somehow get life on your own. If your heart is troubled and it feels like life is slipping away, the remedy is Jesus Christ. He is the life, and no man comes to the Father except through him. He's the only way. And so uh, when I was writing this, I didn't plan on doing this, but I want to take just a moment and say, um, when Jesus spoke these words to his disciples, they were the only ones in the room. They were not outsiders. And so these words were originally intended to be words of comfort, not combat, But I think Christians often want to say, uh, use them for combat and say, Jesus is the only way, so you're all wrong. Now, to to people who don't believe in Jesus. Now, honestly, that's valid. When Jesus says, I'm the only way, he's the truth, and that is true. But I, I wanted us to get more comfort out of this, right? That's what he intended it for his disciples. But I really feel like I need to say some of us uh, need to use this to go to battle in our own hearts. I was just in uh, High V on Friday, and uh, I, I met a woman who learned I was a pastor, and she said, well, I don't really go to church. I said, oh, that's sad to me. Why? Uh, why not? And she said, well, I've just decided that uh, when I wake up in the morning, I'm going to look in the mirror and ask myself a couple questions. Have you hurt anybody? Have you uh, lived a good life? And if I can say yes to those two questions, then I feel like I've done all right. I'll probably be okay. And I said, what about the mornings you can't say yes to those questions? What about the mornings you have to say no? And what if your standard isn't even the right standard? What if your bar is too low? And when you say yes, it really is supposed to be a no. What happens then? What if the mirror isn't really a good savior? What if you need something else? And she said, well, I just think we all started out in the same place, and then we kind of got off, and things got different. And so everybody who really uh, who believes in God or believes in doing something good, they're all probably on the same trajectory, just different paths. And so I, I think I'm probably okay. I just think, you know what? That's a, that's a lie. And today, when we read Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man comes to the Father except through me, 
There, the, the Bible says there is salvation in no other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus is the way to the Father. He is the truth from the Father. He is the life in the Father, and you can't get it outside of him. And so if the world has convinced you that this is one of many legitimate ways, or that this path is okay for you, but somebody else can be on that path and that's okay for them, can I just say to you, that's not what Jesus said. People might be able to say that about Jesus, but he didn't say that about himself. And so don't buy it. Can I just encourage you, don't believe that. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me, and he meant it. So I'll end with this. Jesus said, I am the life. So we keep living in him. There's no other way. How do we live in Jesus? Um, I'm trying to get real practical here. I mean, there's lots of ways to answer that question, but here's one. If Jesus is the source of life and the giver of life, then we need to stay connected to him. We need to be attached to him. We need to have a relationship with him. And so I would just say, connect with Jesus. I don't know what that looks like for you. For me, um, it looks like taking long showers and praying. Okay, that might be weird, but in my house, there's four little kids that run around all the time, and it's a distraction environment. And so for me, I don't know if it's the steam mixed with distraction-free, but I just like, I, sometimes I take long showers, and I just pray for a long time, and it's awesome. And so maybe try it, maybe don't, um, but that's for me. How do I connect with Jesus? I pray. Um, for you, I don't know what that looks like. Maybe it's worship. Maybe for you, just singing praises to God for his goodness, maybe that connects you to him, and you feel it, and you get life from that. If you do, then on your way home today, crank Caleb to 11 and sing your heart out, all right? I know for, um, for one gal in our church, she reads her Bible, and then she draws out her response. How amazing. It's beautiful. Art can do that. If you're creative, find ways to get life in Jesus by doing art. Maybe you're the outdoorsy kind. And being in God's creation stirs in you an awe for the creator. If that's you, then get outside. And maybe today bundle up a little bit because uh, it's cold. But get outside and do that. Maybe it looks like something different for you. Journaling, fasting, reading, walking. I don't know. But however you connect with Jesus, can I just say, would you connect with him? He is the life. He is the way to the Father. We don't get there without him. We don't have life without him. And so connect to him. Find ways. Worship him. Love him. Jesus is the life now and for eternity. And So let's keep living in him. City Light, I want you to be encouraged today by the same words Jesus used to encourage his disciples. I am the way the truth, and the life. So we keep following, we keep believing, and we keep living in him. It's good news. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Great and awesome God, uh, you are beyond good. And I'm so grateful that uh, even in our um, our finite minds that have a hard time understanding eternity, God, you've made it known to us. Uh, you've told us what you're doing and how it's gonna play out. And so we can trust you. God, even people like me, we can join Thomas and ask questions that we should know the answer to, but don't yet. And you're gracious to keep answering. God, I just pray today 
And for people who are looking for a way, like my friend who looked up to the sky, God, I, I pray that today you would show them, prove to them that you are the way. Would you call them to you and draw them to you? Would you make them the, your own? God, for people who are wondering what really is true, they're struggling with um, what to believe and how to believe, God, would you prove yourself to them? You've proven yourself to your people time and over and over again throughout history. Would you do it for us? God, for people who are looking for life, who've looked for life in all kinds of places that haven't satisfied, that have taken more than they've given, feels like life just keeps slipping away. God, would you be life? Would you grant life? Would you instill life and revive and restore life in those people? God, I think of the 952 that showed up at a brand new church this morning. Would you breathe life into them? I think of Sean who got baptized just this morning. There's new life there. Would that story be written over and over again? God, we want your life and we need you to give it to us. God, for your glory and for our good, would you continue to show us that you are the way, the truth, and the life, that the only way to the Father is in you. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen.